This is a global original podcast. Hi and welcome to Confessions of a Modern Parent. The podcast where my husband Mark and I discuss the challenges, difficulties, frustrations and ultimately the joys of being parents and step-parents to four wonderful, talented, beautiful daughters aged between 25 and 12. Oh, Hi, everybody. Well, this is a very, very important Hang podcast. on a minute. Guess what this is about? Yeah. Coronavirus. Coronavirus or COVID-19. Very much in relation yeah. to our kids, because, yeah. my God, they've had the carpet ripped from underneath them, uh, bless them. And we get quite... Well, Nadia gets... Well, we're all feeling very emotional about this topic. Mm. It's a very stressful topic. It's a very tricky, difficult concept or situation that we're dealing with and, and how to deal with our children in that and within this chat you do get quite upset yeah and i i, I yeah sorry, it's, it's, it's a very we're in I, I i i try try i can't sugarcoat it it's one of the most challenging times we've ever had to deal with mm. and we're just at the <laughs> beginning we're just at the beginning anyway so we just share what what our thoughts on 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 how it's been and how it is for the kids and how best you can try and help your children through and how in a weird way your children are indirectly helping us through too yeah. so coronavirus probably the oh god if i hear that word one more time i think i'm probably gonna oh i don't know coronavirus someone else mm. it's uh god it's unprecedented isn't it oh god all these <laughs> how words many other we, words are there that we we haven't we have probably used probably maybe once or twice a year that we're now using 10 times all a day all the time and of course our children are hearing all those words as well and yeah. i think this is probably going to be one of the most important podcasts we ever do on Confessions yeah. of a Modern Parent. It's unexpectedly because, so. As we always say with our with these podcasts, we, we're not we're not um we're not experts. We don't give advice. All we do is share the hell that we're in yeah. <laughs> and see whether it chimes with you and maybe we just all can ease each other's worries a little because yeah. Wow, it is such a roller coaster, isn't it? And there, there's no, there's no rule book for this. There's nobody's well, written anything about this. About there's how to there's deal with absolutely this. zero precedent for this, mm. and I think that's the difference. Is most things in parenting, you can kind of look to other circumstances in life or other parents in life mm. and how they've dealt with these things. Mm. But this is this is on such a global macro scale. It puts such pressure on the very essence of what it means to be a human being. So it kind of makes total sense that it's going to put, put enormous pressure both on parents, children, teens, and their relationships. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a shock. I shocker. mean, the only thing that I liken it to is war. Yeah. We've been plunged into war. Yeah. So, I mean, I know at the in the early days, people were saying the world's been hit with a tsunami. Mm. And we were all definitely upside down. I was definitely upside down at the beginning. I mean, I think I've got my head just above water now, but I was really flailing. Well, what, sometimes I feel like I've got my head above water and then just as I'm coming up for air, I sort of yeah. dip back under. I mean, like today, my anxiety levels are really high. Uh, you know, there are different waves of realisation and there are different moments of consideration when you think, oh, this is quite exciting. It feels like we're in a film. Yeah. I mean, I spoke to Izzy right at the beginning of the crisis and she was sort of likening it to being a character in a movie who's running away from a building that's falling behind her, but she's the one kind of escaping. You know, there were so many bits of information coming through that ostensibly our younger generations were were not going to be affected by this pandemic. And I think really for, you know, we're going to talk in a minute about how we first reacted to coronavirus. And I think it's an interesting one that just saying that because for many people, it was a very slow burn. It was a slow realisation that something out of our control was slowly enveloping us. And for different generations and different age groups, it worked at a different pace. And I think for a large, large part of that initial time, right at the beginning, most teenagers and youngsters, I think, felt somewhat immune to the threat of it. There was a sort of, they weren't going to be, you know, it wasn't going to impact on their everyday lives. This was a, a disease that kind of 
took the eldest, took the in, infirm, took those with underlying, if I hear, the, if I hear underlying conditions once more. Um, and so consequently, I think right at the beginning there, and I think us parents too were, were hoping and keeping our fingers crossed that perhaps this was something that was going to dodge youngsters. Well, I think it's quite interesting, actually, isn't it? If we go back to, usually in these podcasts, we go back to mm. um, something that we that that we can use from our own childhood. And of course, we can't because this no. hasn't happened ever. No. Um, but I think maybe if we talk about how it first crept up on us, because yeah. I think then it's then it's interesting then what happened with mm. the kids. I mean, we were a bit ahead of the game, mm. weren't we? Uh, I mean, I remember weeks ago now, maybe... So how long have we been in isolation lockdown? A week? Well, no, nearly two weeks. So I would say about a month ago, we discussed this on Loose Women and all the panellists, apart from Carol, were really worried about it. And we were just starting to be worried about it. And then we did this like quick straw poll with the audience in the break and said, put your hand up if you're worried and not a single person put their hand up. And it was a really strange thing because I remember thinking, oh, well, maybe I'm overreacting a bit. Maybe this is just going to be in faraway lands and it's never really going to touch us. But I still had that like, that sort of really sort of foreboding feeling right in the pit of my stomach. And then people that watch us on our YouTube channel and our vlogs and Instagram will know that I started social distancing whilst Loose Women was still on. So I was going into Loose Women, but everything else, we just, we probably haven't been out properly as a family, have we, to a restaurant or got a takeaway Mm. or or been to the supermarket or done any of that stuff, I would say, for a whole month. Mm. In the first week... When I re- when we really it started to ratchet up, and my dad had just had um, a heart operation, and that had been a bit trickier than than we thought, and so I was on I was in a very high anxious place anyway, and the kids were around that high anxiety, and then when coronavirus started to become much more of a thing, my anxiety started to go off the scale, like in a way that I've never been anxious before. Mm. Everybody coming in with breathing, they're touching things. I mean, my God, my heart goes out to people with OCD because now I understand it. Now I understand what germaphobes and what the people go through. And it's a living hell. So I realised quite early on that I was losing it and that I was completely mad. And I was trying to do this thing where I was hiding it from the kids, but you don't hide it from the kids when you're like that. You don't. You just Mm. scare them Mm. because they see that you're scared. They see that you're nervous, but they don't know what to say. So I quite quickly, after about a week, I started taking the piss out of myself, didn't I? I started going, right, everybody, just bear with me. I am completely mad at the moment. The way I'm behaving is an overreaction. Of course, now we realise it wasn't an overreaction. Um, And just ignore me. I'm trying to work it out in my own head. And you're right. At that point, they were very much at a place where it wasn't going to be affecting their lives at all. So Mm. they were laughing at it. And they were going, yeah, mum, you really have gone nuts. And then we sort of got ourselves from feeling upside down in the water to turn back up. I think that was your experience. I mean, my experience of it was very different. I mean, I saw that this was coming in a good six to seven weeks ago because it impacted the financial markets, yeah. uh, some of the work that I do, it kind of looks at that sort of stuff. And I could see that this was having an enormous effect on things in China specifically, obviously. And I had this sense that if everything I was reading about this was true, there was an absolute inevitability that it was going to come here. Come here. Mm. I could see this coming. But then, of course, because the press wasn't picking it up, because mm. the Western governments weren't Why? looking too, too concerned about it, I thought there must be something about this, yeah. a, a part <clears> of it, <throat> some aspect to this, this, to this virus <laughs> that partic- makes it particularly prevalent in that part of the world, humidity, you know, all these sorts of things. And then as I started to see it, you know, obviously creeped towards us through Italy and, and Europe and what have you. I, I remember, yeah, really early on within all of this, Maddie having been out with her friends, and let's not forget this is about the sort of parenting side of things, my first moment where I thought, hmm, I'm slightly out of step with the rest of the world, i.e. the rest of the world isn't seeing this for what it is, was when Maddie said, oh, yeah, me and all my mates are going to the pub um, after a, a show that we've all been to. Uh, and as she said it, I said, I don't want you to go. Mm. And she said, oh, but dad, dad, everyone's going. And it was just, it was sufficiently prior to the, if you want to call it for better, want for better expression, the hysteria that then kicked in. And I think, you know, you know, it was appropriate hysteria. Mm. Um, I really didn't want her to go. Instinctively, it felt dangerous. And so forget the kind of, you know, the medical correctness of that and all that, all, all of that sort of stuff. 
what I hit straight away was the nature of being a 17-year-old child with what this could be about mm. to ask of all of our teenagers mm. and all of our youngsters. And it's been interesting sort of thinking about this because I think there's going to be so many impacts on so many different age groups of children and teenagers and tweenies. You know, for some kids, it's going to be lovely spending time with their parents. For some kids, it's going to be lovely that they haven't got the stress of school. For some kids, it's going to be, there'll be some, you know, nice downtime at home. There's also going to be all the obvious stuff around not seeing their friends and what have you. But particularly for the 16, 17 and 18 year old, it's a real frustration at the very moment that they're striving for independence. You know, my first real sort of encounter with this and its impact on being a parent and being a teenager was crystallised in that moment where I did not want her to go to the pub. And yet I let her go to the pub because of the peer pressure. Now, if I'd gone back there, my absolute instinct was to put my foot down and say no. But I didn't feel I could because I was going to be the party poop. And I didn't want to be the party. Well, no, it's not that I didn't want to be the party poop. I just thought, how can I let her not go? That seems such a shame. And so... In a sense, you know, if that was our first experience, we've now moved into a, a sort of slow, we've slowly moved towards and grinded towards this situation where all forms of socialising have been removed. And it presents real dilemmas. And I think in the early days, what I heard a lot of people saying was, I mean, I was really trying to convince people that we should be really upset for the teens and people were very like, yeah. well, you know, we've got to worry about them always. We're, you know, and I understand that we are all worrying about them. I mean, yeah. I'm out of my job now. You know, we've all got all these other worries, but we've got to understand that basically for these kids, somebody come to, come, came over out of the blue and punched them full whack in their face and they went down on the floor and now they're trying to find their way back up. Their whole lives, we're telling them, oh, you know, we started off, well, it won't really affect you, it's the elderly, it's this and it's that and it da-da-da. And then everything, everything about their lives had to change. Now, our kids are homeschooled, but we've heard enough coming back from um, Maddie and we'll hear from Carlitos later about the devastation that her friends who've been studying for their A-levels um, are going through at, at the, at the, and also the parents because we were talking about that this morning, yeah, yeah, weren't we? Yeah, 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 yeah. That is the as much the parents oh, that, that have worked towards getting I mean, those every, everyone A-stars. has been geared towards a remarkable level of work. And okay, um, you know, we homeschool Maddie and Kiki, and that isn't you know we've discussed that in another chat on this. You know, um, last and, week's podcast, yeah, actually, last guys, week's podcast. But and so we're not in a critical stance towards parents that are sort of essentially hot housing, driving, revising. You know, they're doing it the system's way. They're doing it the way that we're encouraged to do as a nation. And my heart does go out to a lot of people who all of that energy, all of that kinetic energy, stress, anxiety, the the, the constancy of, of deadlines and homework and tests and tests of tests and mock exams and all that kind of malarkey suddenly falls off a cliff. And what we've got to understand with that is there's an institutional institutionalization to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So people are having to deinstitutionalize. Yeah. Parents don't know which way up they are. Suddenly you've got your child with you 24 hours a day. Well, your child has suddenly got you 24 hours mm. a day. And in that, we're a little luckier because our kids are used to that because we are always together. Mm. We're together a lot. I mean, when um, I think about that whole exam thing and the whole kind of, you know, what are they going to do? I mean, I'm, I'm reading lots of reports where I'm seeing interviews with people in some of the press and online. You know, some parents and, 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 and teenagers talking about the fact that there is that initial sort of panic. There's a real feeling that all that work has gone in, all that mm. effort is now going to be thrown away because mm. actually it's not about, because I think a lot of adults think, oh, well, you'll just be given your predicted grade or you'll just be given a grade or they'll probably go light on your generation and just say, oh, go through to wherever you want to go. But that removes the idea that for a great number of these teens who are doing this, it's about them wanting to do well. But it's even more than that. It's about all the adults for the last five, six, seven years yeah, yeah. telling them that everything that they do is about getting those exam results. Yeah. That's what they've been told mm. night and day. They're brainwashed by it. Yeah. So to just turn to a child and say, but you've had the education and you're still going to go to uni and you're still going to go to college. You've had the education. And that's what makes me sad because it's like they think, well, it's the education, what well, it was meaning, me having yes. that education doesn't mean anything to me. What means something to yeah. me is the the grade. And I think if I were a parent that 
who did have a child doing GCSEs or A-levels now, that's what I'd be trying to press upon them. Yeah. You have had the education and that will never leave you. Your yeah. brain has had that brain power. Your brain has had that exercise. Mm. Um, I mean, as we say, I mean, you know, our girls haven't had that side of it. Our girls have experienced up close the sudden closing down of the social situation. Which is horrendous. Which is, which is horrendous. I mean, especially for Maddie, she's got a new relationship with a boyfriend. You know, Kiki's got her friend group of friends. Maddie's got her group of friends. And suddenly you've gone for... And Maddie had, you know, um, she had a play that she was about to put on. She had a live music gig she was about to do. You know, so many things just stopped. And what stops with those things? Okay, yes, you've got social media. Yes, you've got the ability to to, to contact each other and, and see each other. And I think, I really think it's not helpful when people keep saying, well... If this had happened to you in the 80s, you've had Absolutely. nothing. Because this is their world. It's yeah. still their world. And I think the most important thing going through this is that we have to validate their feelings. Mm. We have to say, this is really shit. Mm. This is actually shit. Okay, how can we get through today? What can we have? What what pinholes of light can we have today? What fun can we have? What can we do today to make this a bit better? Mm. And, not f- and, and allow them to be moody and allow them to be irritable. And I think you were telling you were reading something this morning, Mark, and you said, and I thought, God, I hadn't thought of it like that, that in a way it's so hard for these 17-year-olds. This was their first summer of freedom. Oh, absolutely. The 18-year-olds. And they were going to now just fly and spread mm. their wings. Lots of them had holidays booked. Lots of them had festivals mm. booked. All gone. Well, and they're whole... locked back to their parents exactly. as if they're toddlers. Exactly. Oh, there's a whole God. generation for whom this summer... Um, I mean, I think everyone forgets so that there's always a generation for whom this year is that pivotal year is that year of their youth where you know people go off to university i mean let's think about it so many friendship groups this you know that are current so like maddie's friendship group for example most of them are going to university in september Mm. so this was going to be the six to seven months up to that point where they're all going to have an intense time party hang out go go away go to gigs go to festivals do all that shit and then a lot of kids you know we've all been there i've been to college what happens is a lot of kids drift away and i think I, i really feel for maddie on on a very specific level, actually, because I think she has a keen sense of that. She's quite realistic about things. And, you know, she's saying, well, yeah, every time she sort of talks about, oh, no, but they're all going to be going to, they're going to mm. be going to college in the new year. And, they, and then when they go to college in September, you know, they're going to find new people. And so there's a real fit. And also, I mean, well, something else I keep reading about is, of course, kids, that I remember how emotional I felt when I left my schools. Some kids have just suddenly been yanked out of their schools. They Without won't be going last back. Day, no last day. They won't no, be going back. No closure on anything, and that's very, very, very strange. difficult. Very I, I, strange. I just, I just wanted to talk a little bit about about three or four weeks ago. We put out a podcast with Maddie talking about how much her friends meant her. Do you remember it? Yeah, yeah, I do. And she was saying she would die without her friends. Oh, no, it's her a life, it's and a life I, force. Every single day I think about that with her, every single day. And, yeah. and actually, listener, if you go back and, and maybe listen to that podcast where both Maddie and Carlitos talk about how important that is, and that's what we've got to keep at the forefront yeah. of our minds. They've been ripped away from their boyfriends. I mean, to be in a new relationship as well. Oh. Might this be a good time, actually, to hear from Maddie and see what she said? Uh, possibly it would be, yeah. Yeah, we've let's got have a listen. Lots to think about and let's talk have about, a listen. I think, and this goes for, I mean, I think most people, and it still does, um, at the start, all teenagers, including myself, were just kind of like, oh, for goodness sake, like, it's not that big a deal. Um, it's not like I'm going to get it, da-da-da-da, like... I'm still going to go out and I'm still going to see people. And I think I think teenagers started off being, like, very selfish about it. Um, that doesn't go to all people. That's just <laughs> off of how I know I was behaving and how my friends were. Um, and, yeah, and I think now, uh, obviously, as it's become more of a serious thing, um, teenagers, I think more teenagers kind of taking and being less selfish really and staying in now um i think we're it's worrying for us because it's it's like you know it is it is just destroying this entire year all of our exciting plans have been cancelled um and i know a lot of people are just like oh it's, it's a lot of people just say it's not it's not that big a deal but you know for People our age, it's a big deal if music festivals we were planning to go to get cancelled or parties we were going to get cancelled. Like, you know, for me, I had a few, like, singing gigs I was going to be doing that got cancelled. And, it, like, for us, it's a big deal. It's not like we're going to be able to relive these years. It's not like we're ever going to be 17 or 18 again. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I think it is very depressing for everybody, obviously. But speaking for teens, I think it's very depressing that we can't be around each other and and all of this. Um, I know I myself, I'm a very sociable person. Uh, I my, my way of coping with a lot of stuff is by seeing people, being around friends, and it's really hard not being able to do that. But you know, I, I tell myself that it's it's for the good, and like if I socially distance myself now and don't see people, that means this virus will end sooner and that means I can go back to seeing everybody. But it, saying that, it is very, very hard not being able to see people. I get a bit mad in my own company. We're quite... This house is quite... <laughs> we're all quite big characters, so um, it's hard, but um, you've got to do it, really. You've got to be less um, selfish. Um, but I, I definitely think it's worrying. It's also, also because... The news is only really... I feel like there's a lot of kind of fake... Not fake news out there, but they aren't quite... They're not making it very clear in the news and it's it's a lot of bad stuff being said when, yes, it's a, it's a deadly virus and a lot of bad stuff's going on, but, you know, you've got to give people some hope and some positivity. I just wish that there was a few... There were nicer things in the news as well. Um, I think... Yeah, I, I feel like parents are aware that it's affecting the teens in quite a depressing... Like, I know all of my friends' parents are like, once this blows over, like, you can have parties. We're not going to question you going out late to see people. I think parents have, are quite, have been quite good at realising that it's, like, it sucks. Um, and, I mean, yeah, I think it, it's just scary for everyone, so everyone's kind of just trying to be as positive as they can. Um, I think, well, basing off of, like, from how my parents are reacting, obviously it's scary for everybody. Um, so obviously my parents are scared and they're worried and everything. Uh, I do feel like we talk about it a lot in the house. So obviously it's hard to avoid the subject because it is just, like, the biggest thing going on in the world at the moment. Um, but I don't know. I feel like a lot of my friends have said it as well. They just wish that... I mean, yeah, it's going on, like, yeah, we need to talk about it and, yeah, it sucks and everything, but wish we could just not talk about it all the time because I know at times I'll be in the house and I'll kind of forgotten that there's a pandemic and that we're all in a lockdown. Um, and then I'll kind of go downstairs and then I'm told, my parents will tell me something new about the coronavirus, which is totally understandable, but it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I forgot that there's a deadly virus and that I can't see any of my friends. So I think I think parents may be, be like, I don't know, keeping their kids informed a bit too much on it but i mean i don't know it's mm. it's scary for everybody you can't expect parents to be calm about it um i don't think parents make well my parents aren't making it like worse or better it's not i don't think it's it's something you can blame your parents for and everything but i mean it's different for different people um, I feel like parents that now have their kids at home that are used to their kids being... It's quite easy for us as a family because we're... I mean, me and Kiki are homeschooled, so it's not like there's been a massive change there. Like, we, we are, we do spend a lot of our time in the house. But I think for parents that don't usually have their kids in the house all the time, um, I think they're struggling quite a bit with each other. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it is really scary. And I, I'm more worried... Well, obviously, I'm worried about the virus, but I'm also very worried about mental health um obviously not only in like older people who aren't being able to see each other and you know parents but i mean it's also for teenagers like we <laughs> teenagers don't always we don't purposely always try to make it about us but and i'm not trying to as uh, still but i'm just saying like i think people need to realize that it is quite a big deal that our years of being 17 and 18 are basically being ruined and we can't really do anything You know what was she says there? I realise now how many times I've said to Maddie and Kiki, my favourite year when I was growing up was 17. Yeah. I, she's always heard me say that. Yeah, it's the year I went to Ibiza. It and was a major taken, year. And you've been taken, 17 and 18. I know, I know. 
And I think it's really important for mm. adults to remember this, to, you know, I mean, I remember right at the beginning feeling really frustrated that I felt most, you know, from what Maddie was saying about her friends, no one was taking seriously in their generation, I felt, for a while at the beginning, and neither should they, because the mm. youth the youth of today, the youth mm. of every generation is about live now, think yeah, later. And they weren't thinking about long-term anything. And I could see that, you know, they, they had a huge part to play in preventing this virus from spreading. But of course, trying to explain that, and I think as a generation, I mean, obviously, we have our own limited experience of teens and children. But, you know, by and large, I feel that our kids have taken responsibility for it. They recognise mm. that they have a part to play, even if it's not necessarily going to damage them. I'm enormously proud of Maddie, actually, because we didn't say to her she had to social distance. She was she mm. was doing she did that a couple of weeks before the lockdown. She made that decision because she was watching the news. And mm. so I am really, really proud of her. I think it's important what she says, and we fell out about uh, over this, didn't we, at the beginning, because I was watching all the news. Then I realised it was giving me very high anxiety, so I pulled away from the news. Your way of dealing with what was going on was to watch the news, which I completely understand, and I know that that's a very... Like my, some of my friends said, I have to watch the news all the time because mm. it makes me feel safer. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so there was a disconnect between us with that, and now you've reduced the news a lot. Well, I do think, I mean, a lot of people... Talk, there's some pretty obvious reporting, I think, going on out there, like this generation has social media, therefore, ergo, it is easier for them because they can all sit in a room on a camera talking to each other. They can. That's not to say we, you know, we didn't have that when we were youngsters and it would have been a very different experience in the 70s or 80s. That said, the downside of them being connected up to these social media apps and being able to talk to all of their friends freely at any time of the day in group en masse is that more often than not, their handsets, and this is something that's coming through a lot in terms of the mental health of our teenagers, their handsets uh, are often... Uh, programmed or set to pumping information out to them. So, you know, the apps like Snapchat, all these things, they're constantly getting headlines. So there's a kind of trade-off. It's kind of like a Faustian pack, pact. On the one hand, I've got this piece of kit that allows me to be in contact with everyone. And on the one hand, I've got this piece of kit that's got me in contact with the rest of the world too. And I can find out everything at the same time. And I think it is our job. I think the reason I stay plugged into the news a lot as a parent is to be able to actually filter out and sieve those stories that I do think are dramatic and sensationalist. And I was caught on the hop very much at the beginning of this, and I had a really big wobble when the deaths were skewing younger, they were skewing towards what seemed like healthy look, healthy living men and all that kind of stuff. And I had a bit of a wobble where I said something which I shouldn't have said in front of the girls, me and you had a big argument. Um, and I realised at that point that one had to, that there was a bit of, there was some fraudulent reporting going on where a lot of these news uh, stations and outlets are simply going for the dramatic headline first and then unpacking the reality of it. And I think Maddie herself has already sensed that. She, she's picked up on it. She mentions it there. It's not about finding good news within a very, very, very frightening situation, <clears throat> but it's about moderating how we deliver that news. Because I sometimes think half these stations forget that there are hosts, thousands, tens, hundreds of thousands, millions around the world, kids, teenagers, looking at what their life's going to be beyond this. What's the future going to hold? And so to have these stories thrown at us, I do feel that your job as a parent, and I think it's very hard balance to strike between us two, is how does one stay across almost everything that's coming out so that if it's popped up on their handset and they come to you with it, you can quickly dismiss it quickly qualify it or quickly unpack it in a way that makes them realise, you know what, that's about bad editorialising by the news station rather than you're in risk, at risk, I'm at risk and we're all at risk. And that's very hard. The balance between them, how much should they know? How much do we let them know? And where should they not know anything? I think the really important thing, like everything else, anything else that you talk about with parenting, it's about communication and it's about validating their feelings and it's about sitting sitting and listening to them. Yeah. How do you feel? And then waiting for the answer. Yeah. Not over-answering. Like if a younger child, a tween, asks you a question about coronavirus, just answer what they're asking you and don't go on for a tangent on a load of other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that it's also really important to watch our own addiction to the news because mm. it does create a febrile atmosphere in mm. any home. Um, and so I think that, you know, I think we've done a really good job of reducing how much we talk about it in front of them, but we obviously haven't done it enough no, because no, we have to hear that. what Maddie says there. So I'm going to think about that today and I'm going to reduce it even more. So 
they now know that they can ask us any question. We don't need to be feeding them anything now no. about it. They will ask us the question and we will answer it. And maybe what we should say to them, Mark, is, do you know what? We're going to try our very best not to talk about it at all in front mm. of you. But know this, anything you want to ask us, come yeah. and ask us and we'll talk about it. And that's well, the only my, time yeah, we talk about it. Because my worry always with the girls is that they'll have seen something online. They'll have heard something said by a friend. Because, you know, a lot of Maddie's friends are boys and they remind me of me a lot. And they're drawn to a really shocking, oh, have you seen such and such and such and such? And that might be fun between boys. And then, you know, even the boys will go away in their individual, on, on their own and go, oh, God, I'm shitting myself a bit about that. But you said an interesting thing. I mean, Kiki doesn't contribute with voice notes, only because she's a bit shy mm. and a bit shyer and it's just not her thing. But she made a really interesting comment to you about how she doesn't, she isn't allowing herself she, to feel. No, because we were talking about, I was talking to her and saying, oh, God, aren't we lucky, Kiki? We've got a garden. We've got, you know, we all like each other. Some some people are in, some children in homes without Wi-Fi, mm. maybe mm. a parent is cruel, maybe a parent is drinking too much. And she said, I know, that's why I'm not saying complaining about anything at all. And I looked at her and I thought, you haven't, you haven't said a word. So I made a point, I was cooking, put down my pans and I said, Kiki, just because we are lucky doesn't mean that what we're also feeling isn't valid. And she looked at me with the big brown eyes, you know, trying to work that out. So it's okay to say you're struggling as well, because it is a fine balance as a parent, isn't it? We are, you know, showing them gratitude. You know, you've got Apple, you've got Amazon, you've got your phones, mm. you've got Wi-Fi, you've got all of this. Lots of children haven't got that. But we don't want to let them feel that they can't have any upset well, about Well, it's always anything. relative. I've always been a big yeah. fan of this. I think it's really important that you say that because I think it's very easy. And I think this is one of the major problems between older generations and younger generations across the years and eons and ages is this idea from the older generation that they've had it tougher, they've had it more difficult, that, you know, in our day and if, you, if you've been in our, you know, it, it, that serves no one anything. It, it serves no purpose other than to make you sound like an absolute old scrote. Because here's the thing, everything is relative to everyone. Exactly. And what our kids are going through isn't going to be obviously on paper mm. and compared objectively as bad as what a kid down the road's going through. But relative to the child in question, it's like saying to someone, because you have, I don't know, earn A and have B and do C, you don't have the feeling of sadness or happiness. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolute ludicrous. Well, I've actually said to Kiki that any, whenever she wants to just have uh, talk time. That's what we've called mm. it. I said, we'll have talk time. And whenever that is, you just say to me and we can go off and we can talk about whatever's worrying yeah. you. Do you, think, do you um, think there might be a difference between how girls, children, you know, teen girls are dealing with it versus teen boys? Well, it's interesting because my friend Lisa, you know, she has two sons, uh, more or less the same age as yeah, our girls. Yeah. And actually, you, Carlitos contributes to this podcast. Her difficulty is she's got one son who's very happy and happy to be at home and not yeah. been doing his GCSEs. And then she's got another one that is one of those boys that is constantly out yeah. on his bike or doing basketball. Wow. It is so, so, so hard. Mm. How do you get rid of that energy? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. my heart really goes out to people with boys because... Um, yeah, I mean, I shouldn't, that's very Yeah, sexist. I mean, it's not to say that there aren't girls, girls who want yeah, to run around. Who love too. cricket yeah. and no, playing hockey. But I would just say in our experience, yeah. our girls are much more sedentary. You know, they do their exercise, but mm. they're not, they're not, they're not you know, giant to go out and play no. hockey. No. So I think whether boys and girls, if you've got very sporty kids, this is so hard. So hard. Have we got a message from Carlitos? We do. Oh, let's yeah, have let's have a, have a listen. I mean, I'm keen because I was thinking, because... In many regards, I was speaking actually briefly to uh, a friend of Maddie's and, and he said at one point, I said, how are you finding it? He said, I'm actually quite enjoying it. We're all geeks and we're all talking to each other. Mm. And I thought, you know what? That's how I would have probably dealt with it now too. I'd mm. have been gaming a lot. Yeah. I'd have been talking to my friends on phone. You know, there's... there's. And I would say to parents that are worrying about that and, and honestly, listen to our homeschooling podcast last from last week yeah. because it's not just about homeschooling. It's about how to just live and let live a bit with your kids to reduce the pressure and the strain in the uh, house. You know, Mark was talking a lot about, you know, if they're into their games, play them sometimes oh God, with yeah. them. And don't do a big... Everyone is trying to adjust to this I new way of I keep asking the living. girls to play PS4 and they keep going, yeah, all right, Dad. Everyone's hmm. trying to adjust and the kids are trying to adjust as yeah. much as we are. So here we go, let's listen to Carly Atos. I think at the first... Um, the first time we heard of this pandemic... Teens kind of made jokes about the coronavirus and like made fun of it. But I think 
now that it's gotten more like serious and everything's shut down and stuff, I think people are starting to get the message of the importance of the situation. Um, I think that teens need to talk to their friends and because it's almost like an escape from the world, an escape from home. Um, and we love being with our friends and we just, we need that contrast and that balance. But now that we've been like ripped apart from our friends for so long, it might be kind of awkward to see them again. Um, also, we've never really lived through anything like this and never really experienced a pandemic on this global scale before. So we're, we're scared. We, we don't know what to expect, but a lot of parents want uh, the news on all the time. I think that news coverage just makes everyone worry more, to be honest. But um, as I, I mean, as I speak, I just had a news story alert come through on my phone and it just worries me. I think the parents are making it better um, but I think that they could distract the kids a little bit and maybe not talk about it in the house and just try to keep things as positive as possible. Maybe well up a bit then and gave me something really well interesting thing that I hadn't thought about. They've built these friendships. Are we going to be awkward when we have to? Yeah, that's a fascinating detail. Fascinating. See, we just don't know what goes on in there. So, just because they're going to be talking to each other in their rooms doesn't necessarily mean that they're maintaining the importance of that person to person contact where you can just, I don't know, just interesting. um, But also, also, I thought it was really interesting what he said there. You know, it's okay to say you're scared. Yeah. Because it is scary. Yeah. And I think that's the invidious position parents find themselves in. Because if I'm honest, if I'm really honest, if you unpack what is going on, and there's numbers and there's the ages of people and then there's the nature of contact and all that kind of stuff, it is actually utterly insurmountable as a human being, mm. a social mm. being within mm. a system which is you know, civilization, to comprehend how we do move forward meaningfully and with some semblance of the life that we had before. So if we're feeling that Mm. and we're scared of what this means for us in terms of not just the luxuries, we mean in terms of the absolute necessities of life, um, what on earth must that be doing to kids and 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 boys and girls in very different ways? You know, they they both our both our kids in this in this chat have both said they want less news. One of the World Health Organization's top three recommendations for preserving mental health is to reduce your news intake mm-hmm. and to have an an assigned moment for taking your news in. And that's for everyone. That's so, what I do. I only listen. Yeah to um, the briefings yeah. and then a quick look through the BBC. And on the days I don't do that, yeah. I'm in so hell. I'm in uh, hell. The days that I don't do that and I plug into the news. Oh, right, I see. I, 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 I eat all day. I feel anxious. Yes. I'm, I'm not, I'm really deeply unhappy. You eat digestives all the time. Yeah. yeah, so it's the same for our kids. And what it, it's, it, that's the clear message from both of them. Yeah. We've yeah. all got to shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. But also, I think there is something we can very practically do, parents listening, is go in, sit with your kids and say, can we go through your phone and go through all the apps and all the kind of tech that's important for you staying in touch with your friends? But can we go through everything and see if we can de- Un- unenable or disable mm. all of those notification yes. settings. Mm. It's the notification. None of us will take the time to do this because it's like, oh, well, whatever, I'll do it later. But actually, we're unaware that on a on a strange level, we're addicted to the pulse of fear. And actually, mm. the pulse of fear is what's making us sleep shit. It's what's mm. making us down Eat and rubbish, stressed. So I would exercise. recommend every parent listening to this now. Go once you've finished listening to this, go away, sit down with your friends, sit sit down with your children and sit down with your partner or, you know, with your own phone and disable notifications and make an allotted time for when you're going to listen to the news. Interestingly, Shout, which is a free 24 hour texting service charity for young people, uh, it's for people in crisis. They're reporting that most of their texts are coming from youngsters about anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. Mm. Um, kids with ADHD, ADHD, 
and parents of kids with ADHD are reporting stratospheric levels of restlessness and antisocial behaviour mm, within the houses. Uh, kids and parents of children with OCD have been totally thrown into disarray because they're all being told to behave compulsively, oh, i.e., no. you know, wash your hands. So God. all of these strategies that parents Poor of children thing. with these issues um, have, have kind of gone out the window. That it's very hard with children, and most children the have tools some... we would normally use. We absolutely. can't pick them up. We can't absolutely. say, "Listen." It's okay that you're feeling this yeah. bad, but it is irrational. The danger isn't real. You've made, and the thing is, the danger is real. Yeah, I'm going to ask you a question now that I think is a really tr- troubling one, and and it's one that uh, this is this is the opportunity to to ask the question in a sense. I have a real concern beyond the immediacy and the in- intricacies of what we're going through now, of what impact this will have on this generation's general motivation. Mm. I mean, let's not forget, running into this, at the beginning of this year, we've had all the issues in this country with Brexit, which is, it feels like isolationism to all teenagers. You've had all the issue with a potential World War Three with Iran. We've got the world that's hurtling towards, you know, Armageddon in terms of uh, environmental issues. And then you've got this. And I worry, mm, I genuinely right. worry that a generation, and let's, let's characterise this generation as a person, this generation can only take so many body blows mm. before you, mm. you, you stand up and you go, mm. what's the point? Well, you also whipped away from them, their A-levels and GCSEs, which is they've been totally brainwashed is the only way forward yeah, yeah. for the whole of their childhood up to 18. And it's all been taken away. And I get really scared about that. I think, yeah, are not... they all just going to go, you know what, sod the lot of it. Yeah. Because... I can understand if you take your back self back to 17, 16. I agree, you I can agree. understand how you would say that. So our parenting now is going is so vital of just be, being finding a way to hold them, let them feel what they feel, but just gently keep them motivated yeah. is incredible. I just want to say a little bit about exercise. Hmm. I nag this household all the time, the girls all the time about exercise. It's so, so important for mental health. It is so important, not just for yours, but for the kids. Yeah. And we are taking, it's like non-negotiable, like today, they're waiting, they're doing their schoolwork at the minute. And then we are going to the park, the four of us, and we are going for a run. Everything else at the moment is negotiable. Everything. We're talking, you don't want to do that now, we'll do it later. You don't want to eat that. But that is non-negotiable. And I think you're right. And I think what we have to do as parents in this period of time where we're in this very odd situation is we have to instill the sort of some some pillars of certainty and good behaviour. Because going back to that concern for motivation, the motivation of an entire generation, you know, being a teenager, by and large, even the best behaved teenagers, it's about flirting with hedonism. It's yeah, about flirting danger. with the edges of danger and what you can test and how far you can push things. Now, my worry is that a little bit like an elastic band that you stretch and stretch and stretch again, and then it loses its elasticity, is that we could come out of this with a, with a generation that just fully believes in hedonism because actually, what's the point? The consequences mm. could... What are, what are the best consequences? Mm. Not particularly good. So what are the worst consequences mm. going to be? So I think you're right to stress things like exercise, to stress things like mindfulness, but also maybe to stress the sense of community that is coming out of this crisis. Because there is, okay, there might not be enough good news coming out, but there is also the positivity of something you were saying this morning, Nadia, which is you keep telling the girls, look, you are in this awful situation, but everyone is pulling together in this situation. Mm. And I think that sense of community is important. It's like all the advice from psychologists uh, when we were having the horrendous terror attacks. And the advice was to get your children to focus on all the people that run to help. Yes. All the people that helped. Like, yes, there were some bad guys, but all these people. And we do drip feed them the the positive stories and the happy stories and the incredible pulling of community together. And, um, yeah, and the, and you know, and also the gratitude. Mm. You know, Kiki said the other night she was crying just at the thought of having pesto pasta. Well, she has pesto <laughs> pasta five times a week. We have pesto pasta. Pesto never looks so exciting. And it never looks so exciting. So, I mean, I know that can sound trite in no, all no, that we're facing, true. but I do think we have a real disconnect with gratitude in the yeah. Western world. And I do think we're finding it again. You know, the things that they taught. I mean, you know, kids were wanting like sweet 16 
parties, weren't they? Not Maddie, but a lot of kids. You know, the biggest party, how they can get, you know, uh, the prom, all this incredibly mm. expensive stuff. Now, I bet you, if you said to any teenager in this country, you can have four friends and you can all sit in the garden, nothing could be better to yeah. them in the whole world than that. Yeah. Also, True. another thing that we've Gratitude, been saying to our girls is, is listen, for decades to come, your generation will be spoken about. Mm. So it makes me emotional. No. In the history lessons, because this is history being made and no other generation has gone through this, not globally. Not globally. No. Nothing. You can't even liken it to war. No. Because no war has ever been over the entire world. And this is over the entire world. So I said to, I said to Maddie, you know, people want to call you all the time you know, snowflake generation, yeah. show them what you're made of, you know. How are you going to... How I would go gonna, so far as to say you're absolutely right. How are you going to... How are you going to make these mm. things work? So in the early days, OK, you can't see your friends, but get a party together, 10 of you on Zoom. You can't do your music gig. Sing it li sing live on your Instagram. You can't do this. What are you going to do? And then you had a really good idea as well, actually, that we talked about last week in the homeschooling podcast, and I think it's a great idea. Which one? <laughs> I, I, I one have about, so many. Girl, the one about joking. getting them to make some oh, to make sort a of project. Record. Yeah, make some record. I mean, this is a type, This is a an unfathomable time in history, and this is this is the history books happening, guys. Um, so you know, yeah, you know, I keep saying to the girls that they need. Oh, you're right, sweetie. Oh. oh, babe. It's look. It's 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 a very worrying time for parents just, for kids. Just I just think, and I know. Listen, you'll feel the same. It's just like it's the one thing we can't sort out for them. I mean, even if they were having a terrible time with something, you know, mm. you would try and find counsellors, you would do something. We can't sort this fucking thing out and we can't tell them where the end is. And it's so, it breaks my heart. Nothing is break. Every time my friends say to me, how are you doing? I say, I'm absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with me and I'm absolutely fine. And I can deal with this for years. But what I can't bear is our girls just being locked out of the world. No, I agree. I mean, I think a number of people hearing you say that will probably say, you know, ah, oh, but in 18 months we'll have a we'll have a vaccine. But, you know, you, what, try saying that to a child of 16, 17. 18 months is a lifetime. And I think I think personally what's making it harder is that they're not complaining at all. Know, they're being so strong and so brave. They really mm. are not moaning. I mean, Maddie's been a bit moody, but all teenagers oh, are. Yeah, don't not? bloody blame her. Well, look, here's a list. A, a poll was recently done, and then we're going to take some uh, emails from, from listeners. Uh, a poll was done about what youngsters, teenagers, felt was helpful and unhelpful for their mental health. Oh, um, and at the top of the list of helpful, so the top three things, the top three things that were most helpful for teenagers were at the top face-to-face -to -face calls with friends. Mm -hmm. Second, which is watching TV and films. Mm -hmm. Second highest, 72%. And the third, you'll be pleased to know, exercise. Yeah. Now, the two most unhelpful things were watching the news and social media. And social media, so there is a real distinction between communication with friends yeah. and social media in general. And I know what that means because there's nothing worse than seeing constant images of everyone enjoying it, getting on with it, learning new things, succeeding at it. You know, I don't want there to become almost the pressure to deal with coronavirus well. Yeah. You can, you know, and I think it's really important as households and as families. Like everything else yeah. we deal with in life. And that's why we are the way that we are on our social media platforms. Yeah. We... We can look gorgeous, we can look awful, we can be as happy as Larry, we can be as miserable as Sin, we can be... Because that is life, and corona life shouldn't be... Shouldn't be in any any more um, airbrushed exactly. than any other part of our exactly. life, and, and I think you're right. I think there'll be a whole new wave of pressure yeah. to be the best at dealing, be the best with, at dealing with coronavirus. Now, before we record each episode of our podcast, we ask you to get involved on social media. Hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to get in touch on our Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and Family. On Twitter, at Nadia Sawala. And if you're a little bit scared of Nadia and you're just a bit worried that she might tell you off, you could always come to lovely, cuddly old me at, at, on Instagram at Mark underscore Adderley. A-double-D-E-R-L-E-Y. Okay, so we've got a couple of emails here. Um, Alice42 
My husband and I live in Shropshire with our two daughters. Like everyone else, I'm isolated in the house as per the most recent government advice. Our house has been taking the advice seriously for a while longer than most. We've been mostly staying inside and only going out for essentials twice a week for most of the last month. I've also strictly monitored the girls and my husband's hygiene, having them scrub their hands before and after meals or touching anything outside the house, including post and deliveries. We've been scrubbing our shopping and mail with disinfectant wipes as soon as they enter the house. On paper, we're taking this very seriously and I think our efforts are drastically reducing our chance of getting the illness. But it's taking its toll on me mentally. Some things I can't get delivered. They are either out of stock or not available for home delivery, so I need to go out to the store. Even though this is allowed under the current guidance, I'm finding it really hard to physically leave the house. Last time I went out to get milk and eggs and such, I was stressed and even nervous the whole time. I was so afraid to catch the disease from touching something or breathing in infected air and coming home is worse. I'm so afraid of bringing the disease in from the outside. It's really hard to balance taking this seriously seriously enough and keeping a level head. Look, I mean, Nadia, Nadia, you're so still clearly so upset and distressed. And, and you know, I think this is probably the only time we've stopped, uh, Alice, to really sit down and talk about it in this sort of self-conscious way. I mean, I think one deals with this crisis always by skitting over the next headline or getting through the next problem. It's a bit like, you know, when you skim a stone across water, it's like, ooh, 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 you move along. And you're right. What you're explaining there, I went to the post office yesterday with a scarf over my mouth, felt had a hoodie up, had gloves on, put my card in the chip and pin, pressed the numbers, and then my 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 sort of snood fell down from my face and I peeled it up with the fingers that had touched the thing. And it's less whether I could have got anything from that process or not. I went into a panic. Mm. It is incredibly stressful. We're being told to wash the bottoms of our shoes. We're, we're, we, we, you know, we have no place feels safe. And it, it's, I mean, I think the, the, the point is, I think if you've got a partner, you need to really open up to them. And just as Nadia has, in a sense, a little bit in this, in this chat, let your emotions roll because pen, you know, holding this stuff inside is really difficult. And you're right. Going outside has never seemed more dangerous or fraught Mm. Um, and and bringing that back to our teens yeah what i worry about in the future is are we going to have a generation of agrophobics Uh, well i agree i agree so i mean no easy answers there are no easy answers for that you've got james we feel your pain and we and if it helps at all we feel very much the same so sometimes that helps with feeling like we're all going crazy doesn't it when when other people say yeah got you feel the same yeah James, 40, from Edinburgh. Every couple of nights or so, I check through my daughter's search history to make sure that nothing inappropriate has been looked at. On a recent scroll through my 11-year-old daughter's internet search history, I spotted something. Amongst the various YouTube videos about how to pierce your own ears and sewing patches onto your clothes were extensive searches on coronavirus. She was looking at how it started, how you can catch it, equipment, medical practitioners used to protect themselves, the NHS bed crisis, YouTube videos pleading for people to take it seriously. I looked at the logged time. She was spending around 90 minutes a night for the past couple of nights looking at this. Mm-hmm. God, well, this is what we're doing this as adults. So yeah. I'm glad she's interested in it and we should all be aware of best practice, even our kids. But the levels beyond that are surely just going to freak her out. I imagine this is how OCD for cleanliness might begin with an avid interest in how to protect yourself against the microbes that are all around us. I've been concerned for my daughter and have talked to her about this. It's something I'm monitoring at the moment as it's only been a couple of days, but it's such a shame this will surely affect the way some children feel unsafe in the wider world and their ability to live their fullest life. Well, I completely agree. But what I would say is I do think, like we talk about in the podcast you know, designated times to talk about it. Let them know that you can come to you to ask a question. And I would even say, you know what? Probably best not to look through it because you might come across all sorts of stuff that might not be true that might make you feel anxious. And the way to feel calmer and safer is to come talk to mummy and daddy about it and we can just give it to you, the answers in a way that's really manageable for you. Yeah. And then another thing that might make you feel a bit better, I do think they'll get bored of it. Yes. And they will start scrolling back for patches on their thing and puppy dogs and all of that. So yeah. take some... Take some take some sal from that. There you go, guys. Thank you so much. And guys, don't forget you can contact us on Nadia Sawara and Family Instagram. Check out if you're wanting a bit of an escape from all of this. We uh, we have lots going on on our YouTube channel. Yeah, the Sawala So join us there. Take care, guys. Take care. Stay safe. Stay well. And coronavirus, you can fuck right, right off. off.
that's it for this episode of Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you'd like to comment on any of the topics we've discussed today, we'd love you to get in touch. Use the hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Nadia Sawala. And on Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and family. And if you fancy getting in touch with me, it's at Mark underscore Adderley. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate and review. Tell your friends and get involved. And you can hear more episodes of Confessions of a Modern Parent on Global Player or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Ta-da! <laughs>